Welcome to the Strategic Leader Podcast, a program all about transforming minds and developing leaders. Our goal is to challenge your thinking, expand your vision, and awaken the emerging leader in you. Now, here is your leadership mentor and coach, and the host of the Strategic Leader Podcast, Brian Holmes. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 145. Glad to have you with us on the journey. We're gathering leaders from all over the world in a wonderful community, and we're focusing on personal and leadership development. Today, we're going to talk to Dan Miller, who has been on this program before, but man, we're talking to a lot of you. You ever felt stuck? You ever felt discontent? That's where we're going today. I can't wait to take you to this interview in just a few moments. Well, before we begin the interview today, I want to just kind of set this up for you. Uh, Every single week, I speak to leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, a lot of pastors who are frustrated. And they're not disgruntled. They're simply disconcerted. They there's something inside that's longing to, to shift, to pivot, as we talked to Mike Kim about a few weeks ago. They feel, in some ways, stuck in their career. They feel as though their work does not matter. They feel as though they're not fulfilling their, their real purpose. And some of these folks, man, they experience such a discontent that it does begin to affect the quality of their work, the quality of their life, the quality of their relationships. And it seems as though it's an epidemic. In other words, I really can't turn in any direction without finding someone who is at a very similar place. And I've been there. I've walked this out in recent months and years where you know there's something else that you need to engage in, a different level, maybe even a completely different career, maybe a different endeavor altogether. But you're not sure exactly what that is. And while you're doing your job, your ministry, your thing right now, it just is not doing it for you anymore. And you feel as though, gosh, am I ever going to find this thing? Well, my guest today is no stranger to this program. It's been a little while since we've had him on. But Dan Miller is a mentor in my life. He's someone who has coached me personally and still is available to me Gosh, anytime I ask, such a precious friend. He and his family are so awesome. Dan and I met in 2012, and he is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. And that book has literally transformed the lives of so many people all over the world. He's also the, also the founder of the Coaching Mastery Program. He has an incredible event he does at the Sanctuary, which is his property in Franklin, Tennessee, called Coaching with Excellence. And we're going to talk about all of that today. But this guy is special. He has such a gift in creative thinking. He has a gift to help you and I to discover and to tap into the possibilities that exist outside of what is our current perception of what is really possible Dan believes that meaningful work blends our natural skills and abilities, our personality traits with our dreams and our passions. And I tell you what, I've never met a person who is more passionate about helping people 
to discover their lane, their purpose, and to, in many cases, to break out of the funk they're in and find meaningful, passionate, significant work as a leader in whatever sphere that might be. I want you to go right now with me to this interview, and I want to introduce to you my dear, dear friend, Dan Miller. Dan Miller, welcome back to the Strategic Leader Podcast. I think the last time you were here, it was actually the Strategic Living Podcast, but welcome back. Well, thank you very much. Delighted to be your guest. Well, I tell you what, you have played such a a valuable and integral role, quite honestly, in my life. And what my listeners need to know is that many of the things you hear me sharing from a personal and very intimate place, uh, the journey that I've been on, my gosh, this man right here has been one of the guiding lights that has really helped me through this process. So thank you for that. Oh, uh, I'm delighted to be part of your life sharing as you are mine. Well, thank you for that, man. Dan, let's let's just dive in here. Uh, I've already kind of given folks a background on who you are, and a lot of our listeners would know who you are because they've heard you before. But I, I want to talk today about something that I am seeing so much of. In fact, there's not a week that goes by that at least two or three phone calls or emails or inquiries come to my attention of people wanting to visit with me as a coach, as a counselor, can help them through this thing they're dealing with. And the thing is this, they find themselves discontent, a little bit frustrated maybe, uh, sensing that there is something else they want to embark out on, but they really don't have a clue what that is. And I'm just shocked. I'm really overwhelmed at how broad this challenge is. It's just everywhere. Everyone I'm talking to. Are you seeing the same thing? Oh, absolutely. You know, and and that's as good as it is bad. I know it's challenging to people, but wow, it's also really healthy to take a fresh look at any given time. And where am I? Where am I going? How am I going to get there? So whether that's and, and, and hopefully it's done with the person's own initiative rather than being forced in that position by circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of the people I'm talking to are maybe pastors. And of course, you know, my background there, I, I do talk to a lot of pastors who are, I wouldn't call them burned out, but they're certainly uh, looking maybe for a way out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that just kind of came to my mind in the moment. So that worked out pretty well. Uh, I've talked to people who are in corporate career uh, mode, and they're just hungry for a different life, a different feel. They want a little more uh, time with their family, a little more time with their kids. They're they're watching their kids get older, and they're missing out on some things. And they just there's just so many people who are hungry for a different lifestyle. How how do you recommend that people even begin the process of of lasering in on what that is? Well, again, I encourage them to embrace that process. That Thoreau talked about that divine discontent. Mm-hmm. We need we need to trust that rather than just try to bury it. That that tendency to just well, I need to be responsible. I need to be practical. I need to just quit that dream and quit imagine. No, don't do that. You know, embrace that because it's likely to wake up things in you that maybe have been dormant. And when we look at how life unfolds, especially from a career path. 
usually we make decisions at 18 or 19 years old that put us on a trajectory for the next 20 or 30 years. Now, knowing that if you're talking to somebody who's 53 years old, does he really want to get advice from an 18-year-old? Probably (laughs) not. So embrace the fact that you now have a lot more life experience, a lot more maturity and knowledge and wisdom, and you're ready to make decisions from a different standpoint, looking at things differently. So again, it's just embrace the process, whatever led you to that. And then what you do, yeah, there's some steps we can look at that will walk you right through that. So you can come out the other side with confidence. Yeah, absolutely. I. I recently had Mike Kim on the program, and I think you know Mike. I uh, sure do. And great guy. He's recently come out with a new project called Pivot, and we talked about that. And it's just so apropos to this conversation because Mike's one of those guys who is in his early 30s, really, and found himself at that age desiring something more, desiring something different for his life, and uh, made a couple of you know, pretty tight transitions over the course of a year or two. I'm, I'm 49 years old, approaching 50, and some would say that I'm in a midlife crisis. Well, I refuse to embrace that. I'm not in a crisis at all, but I recognize that I'm experiencing this thing called individuation. I'm really seeking, okay, the next 20 years of my life, man, I need those to really matter. I need those to be congruent with my design, my purpose, and what I'm called to do. And so I, I'm not sure it's really an age thing as much as it is just a heart thing. And it seems like more and more people are, are getting in touch with the desires of their heart and the thing they want to go after. They, wanna, they want to become aligned with who they are, which is what you're talking about here. So how valuable, for example, is it to have a mastermind group or a coach or someone in your life? What, what role do other people play in this process? And then the flip side of that is, Dan, what, where, where is it maybe unsafe or unproductive to have too many people talking to you? Wow. Well, that, that's an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. I think it's absolutely critical to have other people. Just we need other eyes. We need another frame of reference. Mm-hmm. That can be people who know us well, but we really want people who have the courage to speak the truth in love, knowing that as we are more successful, fewer people are really willing to do that. You know, being successful in many ways isolates you rather than connecting you with people more deeply. I mean, George Barna has done a lot of research with pastors. You mentioned them earlier. Mm-hmm. 55% of pastors say they're lonely. 70% say they have no one person that they can really trust wow. to talk to. And that intensifies as the size of their congregation grows. It doesn't diminish. It grows. They become more and more isolated, feeling alone, like they have nobody they can really confide in as the congregation grows. So in some ways, our own success draws us away from what we need most. So it takes intentional seeking and opening the door to having people who you can share ideas and resources with. Now, I I think that's best done in a mastermind. Uh, there's a lot of talk about masterminds these days, and there's a lot of different kind of ways that people put that together. But we, we've seen it all through history, you know, whether it was Henry Ford or Andrew Carnegie, you know, people like C.S. Lewis, I mean, all Benjamin Franklin, they all were part of a mastermind. And in that small group is where their own ideas were refined, perfected, tested, 
and then they were able to go to extraordinary levels of success. Nobody's successful alone. And in today's environment where we have so much ability to isolate ourselves, I mean, we can have an effective business where we have no employees and we don't see anybody because we can do everything online. We don't even have the kind of team-centeredness that companies used to be based on. Again, that that's both good and bad. I love the advantages that gives us, but again, it takes initiative then to make sure we have people around us that we really do have virtual board of directors, the kind of things that used to be in place in traditional businesses. There was a reason for that. We do need other voices in our lives. What about the flip side of that, Dan? Is there a time or a place or an example where too many people's opinions or maybe uh, the wrong people's opinions can influence us in a way that's not productive to where we're trying to go. Yeah, there absolutely is. I mean, on both counts there, we can have people around us. For one thing, we want people around us who are already performing at the level which we want to perform. So if we're around people who are negative, who are critical, who are frustrated, resentful, I mean, we, the old Jim Rohn quote that we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with, Mm. that really presents a challenge. Let's make those five people people who we really model. We, We admire the lives that they're living. So that's one thing. And that depth of interaction, that depth of exchange can't really take place with a whole lot of people. I mean, I don't care if you got 50,000 followers on Facebook, big deal. It doesn't mean anything in this regard at all. Nothing. What I'm talking about are those 10 or 15 people with whom you're sharing life and it's a mutual understanding. It's sharing both ways. It's not people that you're just coaching or even just coaching you, but people who it's, it's from the biblical perspective, the Barnabas level of interaction. Come alongside. How can I help you? Where are you going? How can I help you in the path you're on? I want to go back to to something you said a moment ago. Uh, this really just jumped out at me. You're right. We live in a virtual age. Uh, we we live in a time when literally you could live in the middle of the hills of wherever with, you know, you might be 40 miles from the nearest municipality or city, but if you've got internet access and you've got a phone signal, you know, allegedly you can do life. You can conduct business. You can actually do your thing. But there's something about the the lack of relational connectedness that goes with that, and you mentioned that a moment ago, that to me is maybe in some ways adding to the conundrum we're dealing with here because I think people do feel disconnected. I think I think they do feel alone. Uh, what man, how do we balance the the beauty, the the results, the the advantages of having so much access at our fingertips with the the human need of being connected to other people? Yeah, I, you know, I, I see this played out in so many interesting ways, but I see these young entrepreneurs who come into this knowing there's no barriers to having a voice out there. So if you want to blog, if you want to have a podcast, if you want to have an online course or whatever, you know, you can do that immediately. And it opens the door for unrealistic arrogance and egotism like I have never experienced before. Oh, you you got to talk about that. you got to talk about that. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you on that. So, so talk about that. What? Give me some examples, and and then also maybe share it from your heart about how do we, how do we bring that, reel that back in a little bit. Well, 
And those are young entrepreneurs who need to be seasoned by being around people who have some more maturity. They need to be seasoned by having some other voices that are speaking into their lives. Mm. But here's how it's played out. You know, you'll see somebody who did a little 10-page ebook, and they put it up on the Kindle form and made it free. And then they watch, and on a Tuesday night at 2 a.m., it hit number one on Amazon in the category <laughs> of people, people who have blue eyes who bought a Toyota six <laughs> years ago, you know, <sighs> some obscure category, and they take a screenshot of that, and then they brag about being number one on Amazon, and they start wanting to charge people to share their wisdom. It's totally baseless. Yeah, it's I mean, quite guys, narcissistic. Oh, my gosh, and totally narcissistic, absolutely. And we see that played out in so many ways. And with, with the uh, kind of ways that we can communicate with people today, if it's Blab or Periscope or Meerkat or Snapchat, you know, all these new things, and people go on there totally just being arrogant and self-centered and think that somehow that's creating value. And it doesn't. I mean, we're going to have a whole lot of people hit a dead end in these kind of things because that does not build value. To really do something sustainable, there has to be clear, unique value. And a lot of people are kidding themselves, thinking their entrepreneurs are starting businesses when all they're doing is using the technology to pat themselves on the back. Yeah, and unfortunately, scam people under the auspices of, of having something of value to offer when they really don't. And I'm not being critical here, but th there is a price to pay for success. We know that. There's also There's also some value to life experience the good the bad the ugly the pain the the struggles the bad times and uh you know it, it reminds me of this idea of the of the student uh just completely bypassing you know the sensei and saying i just want i want the benefits of being the sensei without having been the student and and having gone through the hardships and the practice and the you know all i, I just i don't know all of a sudden i get this wax on wax off <laughs> metaphor in my mind but yeah. uh, but the point is is that uh, it, it is a, a mindset in our culture where everyone can be an expert, but not everyone is an expert. You know what I'm saying? I do indeed. Oh, wow. You're right. It takes some time. And, you know, there are a lot of paths that make it easier to be in business today or to do something significant. And I'm thrilled about that. But still, time needs to test a lot of these ideas mm -hmm. and a lot of things we're being promoted right now with a lot of smoke and mirrors won't be around two years from now. Right. They, they'll have no long life at all because people will see behind the curtain and see that there's really nothing there. That's great, man. Well, let's circle back around here and you and I both are encountering numerous people that are in this transition slash pivot slash discontent kind of a mode health divine discontent you referred to a moment ago what are some of the options out there and i know i'm not talking about specific careers or businesses but what should a person who is feeling this internally be looking for what should they be processing through how should they be approaching a potential pivot or change in their life uh to to move them from this place of disconcertedness to a place of fulfillment and joy and and free flow. Sure. Let, let me give you three basic principles. Number one, look inward, not outward first. 
that may seem counterintuitive because we're quick to see you know, where the newest, hottest opportunities are, who's hiring, where the business trends are. But those are things that are recipes for short-term success and eventual burnout and dissatisfaction. We have to look inward first. Mm. It's that old Shakespeare thing, know thyself, to thine own self be true. There's a lot of sense in that. Yes. It's not just some kind of literary thing that we heard. That, there's a lot of merit in that. I tell people that the process of having confidence in their direction, 85% of that comes from looking inward first. Take a fresh look at how God has gifted you. Mm. 15% then is the application. But see, I would rather help somebody grow dandelions if that really is where they go with that looking inward than to try to talk them into being a computer programmer because we know there are great opportunities there. A lot of people have taken too quickly an external approach to decide how they're going to spend their times and and build their lives rather than taking that healthy look inward first. So that's number one, look inward. Number two, trust your passions. Resist that tendency to just be realistic and practical. There are a lot of people out there who think they're being responsible, responsible providers of their family when they're way short of their maximum potential because they're trying to perform in something that doesn't really feed their soul, something that doesn't really match the best talents that they have. Trust your passions. So then number three, then find that sweet convergence of passion, talent, and money. Now, those are like three legs of the stool. With only two, it'll be just like a three-legged stool. It'll fall over every time. You can't have just two. There's got to be passion, talent, and money. If you have passion, now sometimes in these mid-career changes especially, people discover, wow, you know, they really want to be involved in something humanitarian or they want to be involved in some kind of ministry or nonprofit. That's fine. They may even have some talent in that area. But if they don't create an economic model, all they've done is identified a hobby. And that comes all the way down. You know, I live in Nashville. There is a whole lot of people here who have a whole lot of passion for the music industry and a whole lot of talent, but they've never figured out how to create money with those. Mm. And all they have is a talent and they're living in cardboard box under the bridge. I mean, that's, that's what happens if you don't have all three. So any combination, just two of those three isn't going to work. But that's what life experience gives us. It gives us a perspective and the wisdom to look at all three of those, to pull those together. And for many people, these midlife corrections, realignments that you and I are seeing are a very healthy, fresh start into a new season of life that's way more fulfilling in every way, including financially, than anything they've done previously. That's powerful. Uh, let me throw this at you real quick here. Uh, let me just give a background. All of my listeners know that in 2012, I I made a pivot, something you know, really a real encounter in my life, and I decided, okay, it's time for me to to begin to pursue this this feeling in my heart that that there's something more, there's something different, and I began to do that. Uh, I was very quickly introduced to this world we call you know, internet marketing and platform and blogging and all of this. And I'm so grateful that I got caught up in that because one, I I met you and Michael Hyatt and Cliff and all of our friends, Ray Edwards, who I'm a very, uh, just one of the greatest treasures in my life. Uh, Just all of this stuff going on. 
And so the the season from 2012 to present has been beautiful in that I've learned a great deal about how to project my message to the masses and how to to communicate the things that I'm passionate about out there. But this look inward thing, I think I missed that piece on the front end of it because I'm finding myself now uh, realizing that I I am not called or created, nor do I desire to, quote-unquote, have an Internet marketing business. That is not to say that the tools and the skills and the various methodologies that I've learned, I won't continue to utilize and even utilize them more effectively, but... But I, I'm getting now more in touch with what's inside of me and reframing how I thought I might use this whole platform idea and, and framing it around the look inward and trust my passions. And those, man, you just said a mouthful. Look, look inward first, trust your passions, and then find the convergence of your talents and your passions, and then where's the money? Gosh, if I'd had that formula and a framework when I was just beginning this, I think I might have been further along. That is so powerful. This look mm. inward piece. How does one do that? What what is the what are the the steps sort of I guess to to pause and look inside of oneself and really get in touch with that? Now again, a little life experience really helps us in that regard. That's why I don't typically coach somebody who's. 21 years old, or mm. frankly, usually not even 31 years old. The life experience is a really useful resource. To then be able to look back a little bit and identify what are my skills and abilities? You know, what are those things that I really do well? And then what are my personality tendencies? How do I relate to other people? What kind of environments am I most comfortable in? And we, we can see times when we've tried to push ourselves to be something that we're not. If somebody is very outgoing and gregarious and social, a lot of things that are identified by these online businesses would drive them crazy because you're so isolated and become can become so alone. On the flip side, if somebody's real introverted or shy, they don't have to change that. We just have to find something that embraces that. And a little life experience helps clarify those things. And then in that regard, skills and abilities, personality tendencies, and then your values and passions. What are those things you really care about? What do you think find yourself being drawn to when you have free time on your own? What is it that when you're doing it, time just flies by? What is it that puts you in the zone? We talk about athletes being in the zone, you know, where you really just, oh my gosh, you can't believe how things have just come together and you know you were born for this. Well, again, a little life experience gives us times to see glimpses of that. And recognizing those things. And if you have trouble with that, I mean, ask four or five people who know you well mm. what they see in you in those regards. Take some inventories and profiles. We use the DISC profile here at 48 Days. Yep. I mean, as you know, but I'm a big believer in the Myers-Briggs, I mean, the new fascination index that Sally Hogshead does. I mean, there's lots of things out there, tools, and just use them all for little bits of pieces of information to help you understand yourself more and more. Because the more you understand yourself, and believe me, this is not an egotistical, self-centered kind of thing. This is the first step in being your very best that you can offer to the world. Loaded question. And I'm not sure I've ever heard you answer this question as many times as I've been with you and around you. What percentage of people do you suppose have never taken the time or invested the, the finances or the energy 
or the mental focus to go through that discovery process? Probably about 95%. I, I knew you were going to say north of 90. Yeah. Is that sad or what? It, it is. It, but what happens, and when we're seeing, I mean, I'm one of the baby boomers. So we've got this 71 and a half million people who now are 60 and beyond. You know, they're going into, I mean, we're building tons and tons of these independent living centers, retirement centers, nursing homes. And it just breaks my heart to see these people shoveled into those things mm. like a herd of cattle where they're going to sit on the front porch, you know, and watch the sun go down every day and do nothing productive and just wait till they die. I mean, wow. Mm. But see, most people just look at their lives in the rearview mirror. They really never have a clear sense of what they're moving toward. I mean, we talk to people who in their jobs are frustrated, they're discouraged, they're resentful, depressed, angry, whatever. We know all those emotions come from looking at what's already happened. When somebody gets clear about what they're moving to, we get an explosion of confidence, enthusiasm, boldness, and all those negative emotions start to diminish. But most people spend their time looking at what's already happened. You know, it's what that company did to me, that church did to me, that government did to me, and that's where they spend their time and effort. Well, they never really take the time to draw a line in the sand, look at themselves, and get a clear sense of what they're moving to. And all of a sudden, they're 70 years old and looking at a nursing home. Unbelievable. Uh, my, my heart just cries for those people because I, 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 I've watched, well, my own family members. Uh, you just described them, some of them. And, and it just, I, number one, I don't want to be that guy. And number two, I'm hoping that in my lifetime I can help a lot of people to avoid that rearview mirror, you know, reflection point. That's incredible. Uh, one more question I want to ask you. As it relates to leadership, and you know that, that one of my greatest passions is developing leaders. I, I believe everybody leads or is born to lead. I believe everyone has leadership capacity and I, my personal philosophy is, is that there are spheres of influence and each of us probably have a place in one of those. But as it relates to leadership, what would you say to the person who feels as though they are just flatlined, they don't have much to offer, and as far as their leadership goes, they have nothing to really give? How can you encourage that person to know that they have something of value and they can still lead? Yeah, great question. And and again, it breaks my heart to hear somebody that would say that because we all have unique gifts. I mean, it may be that you keep a really nicely manicured lawn. Well, there's a whole lot of people out there who don't have that same kind of skill. Right. Who are look, looking for somebody to share their wisdom. Here's what happens, Brian. We tend to underestimate the value of what comes easily for us. So we find people who are extremely talented, and it's very obvious so, and they diminish that. They think, well, anybody could do that. No. I mean, I can go to Home Depot this afternoon and pick up the parts to fix a leaky faucet in my house, and I can figure out how to do that. I'm an old farm kid, and I can figure out how to do that. Do you know I can call a plumber who can come out here and in 20 minutes do what it would take me four hours to do? <laughs> I'm always looking for people who just are more skilled than I in a particular area. And everybody has something like that. So if somebody's been a housewife for 20 years, I mean, I encounter people like that all the time. Well, you know, I haven't had a job. I've just been a housewife for 20 years. And, 
you know, yeah, I'd like to get a job, but I could probably, you know, get a job at McDonald's making seven fifty an hour. Are you kidding me? Well, let's look at what you did as a housewife. You know, did you coordinate the fundraising event through the teacher organization at your kid's school? Did you, uh, were you in charge of transportation to make sure that everybody got where they needed to be? Have you handled the budgeting for your own household? I mean, I'll bet we could find eight or 10 clear areas of expertise where you outshine a whole lot of people on the face of the earth in that area. So it's a matter of just looking inward, again, getting the input of other people if necessary to identify what are those things that really give you a chance to shine. And what happens is when life offers that kind of transition point, and whether through our own choosing, our own uh, divine discontent, existential angst, or through circumstances that kind of force us there, oftentimes it's an opportunity to wake up something that was dormant. When I talk to people who lost their job in the last two years, here's a lot of people have done, a lot of very competent, reliable, responsible people have lost their job, just part of the workplace. For a lot of them, it was a wake-up call to the dreams that they had put dormant when they were 20 years old and had never really allowed to develop. Now they have a chance to go back, revisit that, and they go into the most explosive, exciting, productive, profitable season of their life powerful you know uh i have had the great pleasure of being in your home and on your property i don't know how many times a bunch and you host several events every year at the sanctuary which if you don't know what the sanctuary is that's that's a beautiful piece of property adjacent to dan's home and uh you have people gather from all walks of life from all types of backgrounds and uh, depending on the event it, it might be about the, the prospect of coaching other people and helping other people. It might be about creativity. And uh, I mean, my gosh, there's so many things that you do to add value to people's lives there. Uh, what, what do you have coming up? What's coming up the rest of this year, for example? We've got some really exciting things. We have two more events that are called Coaching with Excellence. Mm. And that, like you came through, yep. you know, that's two intense days where we take people who have an area of expertise. And what I ask people when they say, can I be a coach? I ask them, are people coming to you now asking for your advice and opinion? If they are, it's probably a pretty easy thing to simply frame that in a meaningful way to give people options to engage with you, where you give them value and they willingly give you money. I mean, that's just, I mean, money is just an echo of value. So we have two more of those, one in May, one in September. And then also in May, we've got an event that we brought back by popular demand called Innovate. Oh, yes. And it's for people who have just creative skills. It may be visual arts, maybe music or sculpting or speaking. You know, those kind of things that seem to be more intangible. Can I really make a living doing this? Well, we walk people through the process. How do you leverage that creative skill and turn it into something where we can get that blend of passion, talent, and money? So we got those coming up. I'm going to be at a bunch of events uh, around the country as well, but those are the ones that we're doing right here at the sanctuary in Franklin, Tennessee. Well, that place is special there, and I say this not to get not to wax religious, but there there really is a a cool environment, presence, peaceful. Uh, it, it, there's just something really special about what you and Joanne have created there, and it, I, I cannot recommend enough. If you ever have an opportunity, or you feel compelled to go to an event at Dan's place, you just got to experience it one time at least because it is a really exceptional environment for 
whatever's in, bubbling inside of you to to become more clear. And I I just encourage you to go to 48days.com, correct? Yes. Yeah, 48days.com and subscribe, of course, to Dan's blog post, his podcast, and all the various resources he has there, but also check out the events. Uh, I tell you what, it's it's life-altering. One last thing, one last thing, and that is this. In your experience, if a person really sets their heart to go after what they're feeling inside, that divine discontent, if they, they say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue this, I'm going to go after this, I'm going to find a coach, I'm going to find a, a mastermind group, I'm going to get some people around me that can help me, uh, tell us one quick story of someone like that, because I want to give somebody hope today. I, I know that some people that I talk to feel like, my gosh, man, I'm just stuck in a rut. There's just no way out of this thing. But I know you've got about a thousand stories. Pick one and tell us one quick story of someone who was in that place that because they chose to pursue the new thing, the beautiful thing, the the passionate thing, they found their lane and they're running beautifully in it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we could spend the rest of the day. Yeah, going we could. Through- you should write stories. a book about I've, this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had the privilege of intersecting life with a whole lot of people over the years, and it's it's nothing but a joy to, to help give them a new set of eyes to maybe see opportunities that would fit them. But, yeah, let me give you a quick example, and I'll use somebody who came to me as a pastor, since you mentioned that, and I know that's your own background. Oh, yeah. But here in my office, Brian, I have a beautiful, beautiful painting in the alcove on one side of my office here in the sanctuary, our converted barn and our property here in Franklin. But the young, young man came to me as a pastor, but was very frustrated. He had five small children. He was just eking out a living, but he had had a dramatic change in his own life. And he thought the most godly thing he could possibly do would be a pastor. So he went to seminary, got ordained in his pastor of a church. They were just paying his peanuts. He was working as a desk clerk at a hotel weeknights just to make enough money to keep the lights on in his house. Mm. And, I, and I, you know, I started working with him. I said, man, who sold you this bill of goods? He was really <laughs> taken back. He was like, what do you mean? Isn't this the most godly thing I could do? I said, absolutely not. It doesn't fit you. You're trying to be something that you're not. I said, what is it that you do that really makes you come alive? What is it that you do that is just kind of a cathartic healing process for you? He says, oh, I go into a room in our little rented house, I lock the door, I put on Beethoven or Mozart, and I paint. I just paint. He had never sold anything in his life. I had him quit everything he was doing, including being a pastor. For four years, he did faux finishes, These that, that amazing process where he mm-hmm. would use brushes, sponges, rags to create dramatic effects on people's walls. But in doing that, he made significant income, but it gave him the freedom to really establish himself as an artist. Today, he doesn't do the faux finishes the piece of art that he gave me here in my office is about a $10,000 piece. Wow. And he does these beautiful, beautiful pieces, all that have the theme of music. They're very abstract, very bold and colorful, and all have a theme of music. Now, he's making today 10 times the money he ever dreamed of making as a pastor. Now, here's what people listening are thinking. Somebody's thinking, okay, but he walked away from his call. Oh, boy. Here we go. But. <laughs> yeah, he walked away from his calling. Well, did he? I mean, let's look at what calling really means. And what he what he shares personally is 
you know, as a pastor, people knew what I was going to say. You know, they knew what to expect. But he said, now I'm in people's homes. You know, I'm in these rich people's houses. They're more open. They're very vulnerable. They're transparent with me because I'm the artist. He said, I have way more opportunity to really minister to people today than I ever did as a pastor. See, that's the power of proper fit. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not an artist. And and if, if we were looking at that just as a way to make more money to support his family, I would have been nuts to recommend that he become an artist because you know what we hear about artists. They're all starving. No, See, that's <laughs> another thing that's counterintuitive. If it really is the gift that God has given to you, operating in that is where you're going to have your greatest source, not only fulfillment, greatest source to bless your family financially as well. That's an example. His name is Ron. I mean, I'd be happy to have people look him up. His work is magnificent, and that's what he does today. That's amazing. And there are thousands of stories just like that. My encouragement to to all of you listening, several things. One, of course, connect with Dan. Uh, the, what he does just weekly through his podcast is enough to to transform your life and really add value to you. But also, go to an event if you have a chance to do that. Even if you don't think you can afford it, find a way. Get there. Get in the environment of creativity and possibility and allow your mind to embrace that there is hope for you to find that sweet spot, find that place of joy, fulfillment, and as with Ron, find uh, an avenue where you can be more effective in your life purpose and ministering to other people. Dan, gosh, you're a treasure in my life, in the life of so many people, and I, I just thank you for taking out of your time to to be with us again today. Man, I appreciate it more than I can ever tell you. Well, it's certainly my pleasure. I know your heart as well, you know, meshes with mine in terms of uh, the messages that we want to share. And we're both just blessed to have the opportunity to, to share life with some people along the way. Well, as always, Dan Miller is so extraordinary. And I know that this content today, this conversation was valuable to you. Listen, if you're struggling, if you're frustrated, if you're, if you feel stuck, maybe you're involved in something that's just not you, man, listen to this over and over again. If you know someone who is going through a transition or uh, feeling a little bit of that divine discontent, I encourage you share this with them on social media, email them a copy or a link to it. Just get them to brianholmes.com forward slash 145 so they too can enjoy this wonderful conversation we've had today with Dan Miller. I want to invite you to subscribe to our weekly email updates. You can do that at brianholmes.com as well. Front page, top right-hand corner, you'll find there that we're offering the Four Cornerstones for Strategic Living online video course as a free gift for subscribing. And uh, again, just know that we want to add value to you. We have no strings just to say we want to serve you and help you to become the leader that God has created you to be. I want to close this episode out with just a couple of things. First of all, connect with Dan Miller, 48days.com. If you have the means or if you feel compelled to do so, find a way to get to the sanctuary, participate in one of his events, whether it's Coaching with Excellence the Coaching Mastery Program, uh, Innovate, just any place you can connect with this great man, I encourage you to do it. It will be of great benefit to you. Listen, if you're at a place where you're experiencing divine discontent, if you feel stuck, if you're not satisfied, 
with the life that you're presently producing. I want you to take our challenge today and decide. I'm going to pursue discovering who I am. I want to find this place of convergence that Dan was talking about. I'm going to look inward first. I'm going to trust my passions, and I'm going to find convergence where my talents, my passions, and the financial means all come together. That's the plan, and I challenge you to do exactly that. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Strategic Leader Podcast. We trust that this program has added value to your life and to the development of your leadership potential. You can join our growing community of strategic influencers by connecting with us at brianholmes.com and by sharing this podcast with others who are seeking to take their life and leadership to the next level. May God bless you immensely. And until next time, remember this, you are created to lead.